0: Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. In this episode, Seton, of course, is here. I am Matt Harris. And also with us is legal analyst, former DA and friend, John Snyder. Hi, John. Hey, Matt. How are you guys doing today? We are great. It's amazing how much is breaking and how much is coming out. I will hope that you all go back who haven't and binge the previous episodes. Just to recap a little bit, a quick timeline rundown of the deaths connected to the Murdoch family. July 2015, Stephen Smith, 19, found dead in the middle of the road in Hampton County. The case ruled a hit and run. Many people did not believe that was the correct ruling. The case was reopened a few weeks ago by SLED, saying they were reopening the case based on information gathered during the Murdoch investigation. And I advise you to go back and listen to our Stephen Smith episode. 2018, Gloria Satterfield falls and dies. The 57-year-old Satterfield was Murdoch's housekeeper. We believe she died in February 2018 due to a quote trip and fall in Hampton County. And Gloria was a housekeeper at the Murdochs. And Paul's father, Alex, settled her case by paying out the family uh, over $500,000. February 2019, there's the fatal boat crash that killed Mallory Beach. Two months later, Paul Murdoch is charged with three felonies and pleads not guilty. And on June 7th, Alec Murdoch finds his wife Maggie and his son Paul shot to death on the Murdoch family hunting camp grounds. That brings us to the latest with the Murdoch family involving the 2019 boat crash, an alleged civil conspiracy, and the papers that were just filed. Tell me about that, Seton.
1: It was, it was filed um, by Connor Cook's lawyer. Uh, he was one of the passengers of the boat. The position was filed on behalf of his lawyer.
0: The, he had a broken jaw in the accident when the 17-foot console fishing boat owned by Paul's father, Alec, uh, drove to the bridge in the early morning hours and this petition dropped on July 7th. Okay. Now this way, bringing uh, the legal expert and former <laughs> DA uh, John Snyder. So this filing is this, what I heard read was a rule 27.
2: That's right. So a rule 27 is a procedural motion that is unique to South Carolina, where you are basically announcing that, there will be a potential lawsuit or a potential controversy and you're asking the court to give you or your team the opportunity to gather testimony, uh, subpoena documents and begin to gather the evidence that you need to eventually bring a full-fledged lawsuit.
0: So at this point it's not an actual lawsuit but it's just a so it's all you say it's like a unique to South Carolina. So in other words for her for the uh, Conner's team to gather information, without the help of the court, none of these people would have to show up for a deposition?
2: So that's right. So Connor right now has no standing to gather documents or depose witnesses or, you know, get, get anything. And so by filing this motion, this will give the court an opportunity to provide an order to his team to get the deposition testimony they need which would be subpoenaing probably all of these depositions that have already been done in the wrongful death lawsuit, uh, petitioning perhaps South Carolina wildlife their their police files, all all of the things that are slowly dripping out that that make it look like a potential conspiracy.
0: Some people, I guess, it's like a discovery process. Some
2: it, it's 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 a pre-lawsuit discovery process, and and the idea behind that is. You want to gather facts before you file. Uh, a lot of times in, in North Carolina, you have to file and then gather facts. And and so this procedural motion allows you to quickly get the things you need to file a lawsuit and not clog the courts with frivolous lawsuits based on potential allegations.
1: Okay, so they're saying they're not sure that there was this conspiracy, but we want to get more information
2: they they're saying hey before we sue someone for fraud and conspiracy we want to get some you know actual evidence and right. so this procedure gives them that chance and and it's you know it's actually a good thing because it doesn't matter what the facts of a lawsuit tend to be the mere filing of one creates a, a stigma against somebody so this this is actually a very effective legal tool.
0: Okay, so let's get to what is they are looking to find out. One of the big things is the petition states that evidence from the boat crash is quote is now unable to be accounted for by law enforcement authorities. That's one of the biggies which those uh, we had talked about that in one of the episodes too that some things were missing and Seton, what what do you remember about being uh
1: They're saying Paul's cell phone was missing from the scene, as well as he, he did not have his pants on at the time, but they, they, his pants were over to the side and, you know, maybe possibly his wallet would be in there, which would have had his fake identification that he used. But those are the two things that I saw that were potentially missing.
2: There's, we're, we're missing a standard interview of Paul that would happen in any boat crash case. These guys are trained in how to collect evidence for boat crashes and boating under the influence. And so this lawsuit, this, this pre lawsuit filing is basically saying, Hey, you guys didn't do any of that. You were starting to make it sound like I'm the one that was driving and caused this boat crash. And so I I want to know what's going on. And, and yeah. now you're saying you don't have key evidence that would exonerate me as a, a potential party in this, this criminal
0: activity. That's a big thing we haven't really gotten into yet is the fact that I mean, we will get into some of the specifics but in a minute, a second, but there was a time that it appeared they were making Connor look as, as as he was the driver. And so that's one of the things they're trying to get to the root of here. Why was that even brought well, up when a lot of people on the scene were already saying it wasn't Paul was driving, Paul was driving.
1: Well, right. yeah, I think the boyfriend in his deposition was very clear that Paul was driving, but I I wanna circle back to the missing information they also said that dna was missing because which would have proven where connor was in the boat at the time of the accident because he had injuries i'm assuming blood Blood. or other dna broken jaw
2: jaw. yeah i I, you know i read that that's my my guess is that it's a big dna soup party and they would they would have a hard time showing at the time that they hit the The piling, who was actually where, because it sounds like
1: if you're
2: you're drinking and cavorting all day, your DNA is going to be everybody that was on the boat's DNA.
1: So and the, he admits to driving the boat. Care.
0: Yeah, he does say he drove he it He drove at one point. it at
1: one point when Paul had left the helm of the boat to have a conflict with his then-girlfriend. He did drive the boat. So, I mean, he definitely would have his hands on the steering wheel.
0: Okay, let me give you a little bit of what is in some of the articles and in the, in the uh, petition. And then we'll circle back with John. But the, uh, the attorneys want to ask the officers about the failure to offer field sobriety test on Paul Murdoch at the scene of the crash. Paul, remember, killed about a month ago, murdered, and also the driver charged, indicted with driving the boat. And question about other, quote, investigative irregularities, including the loss of evidence, which we talked about, that exonerated Cook and implicated Murdoch. The, they say in the documents that of the officers, quote, may have information of a collusion and or a civil conspiracy to shift the blame for the boat accident away from Paul Murdoch by wrongfully shifting the focus to Connor Cook, that's pretty big accusation. They're they're saying that potentially there was a whole concerted effort, not just a lack of the correct investigative things, but it seems to be that they're they're saying this is more than just missing some things. This is almost nefarious in a sense. That right, am I reading that right? That is absolutely
2: the implication that this filing is is giving, and would be why you would want to get information before you allege that someone's engaged in a conspiracy you want to you want to go to the court with with satisfactory
0: evidence. To be fair to them, right? That is not, they've not been charged with that. The lawsuit doesn't come against that, but that is what we take as the implication from uh, this. That, that's, an open, that's their open uh, basis in
2: seeking the Rule 27
0: order. It goes on to say, and I'll quote to the five officers, may know of the conspiracy, here's the quote, to cloud the investigatory issues and disseminate false information in the community with the intention of misleading law enforcement and prosecution charging parties and the public into wrongly and falsely believing connor cook should be arrested and charged as the boat operator so that they're even looking at to find out if the officers involved were telling the public hey, this might, hey connor might have been driving or was driving and that's pretty inflammatory we had talked about it in the earlier episode with you and also on the boating accident one when uh, they filled in part of the form and it said ceden you remember that
1: it was un- unclear. unclear unclear right
0: which at the time when we did this, before this came out, we said, well, maybe if Paul is saying it wasn't me and everybody else is, maybe they still write unclear, right? That's a possibility. Is that a possibility?
2: Well, there's two, two things here that are, are kind of glaring. One is you are creating reasonable doubt in your own evidence so that Paul's lawyer could argue, well, they don't know a hundred percent. That Paul was the responsible party, okay, and, and therefore, because you can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt, that so so they are they are creating an inference and maybe potentially tainting the jury pool by bringing in these slanted
0: confusion
2: by creating intentional confusion that would help. From not getting convicted.
0: And you have in this one deposition, uh, Anthony Cook, Connors' cousin, is quoted as saying, oh, this is in the recordings from the scene played during deposition. And it it's Mallory Beach's boyfriend, Anthony Cook. The, that mother bleeper needs a rotten bleeping prison. He yelled about Paul Mordick at the scene of the crash, according to the recordings. He ain't going to get in no bleeping trouble. My bleeping girlfriend is gone. Pretty damning stuff right there and very sad, obviously.
2: And not included in the actual police report.
0: Oh, that the, that was in the... That's right. That was in the recording from the deposition, but not in the police report. That is weird. Is that weird? I mean, it seems weird.
1: Well, well, actually, it was. So there were three different agencies who responded. There was the Beaufort County Sheriff's Department. There was DNR, but also Port Royal responded. And in Port Royal's report, they the officer did say that Anthony implicated Paul.
0: Yeah, not with those exact, with those quotes from the mother bleeper and all that. No,
1: sort of not thing. that, yeah. but he he said he, yes. said he was very yes. aggressive. He Paul had started to walk towards the police vehicle where Anthony was, and he said that he, they were
0: yelling at him and saying
1: said, Paul did it.
0: That was not the one report, and then the other one said...
1: It, there was unclear. confusion.
0: Yes. We had talked a little bit about this with you, John, when we had you on in the previous episode and what we did think. It is the questioning about whether or not the field sobriety test was was an issue.
1: Because they reported that Connor was offered the, a field sobriety test at the scene, but he declined. But there's no report that Paul, they tried to get a field sobriety at the scene from Paul.
2: Right. And so if you go back and look at the, the statute for voting under the influence— a refusal can create a preponderance or a preferential in, inferring that you are, in fact, guilty of being under the influence. And so the fact that they would give that to Connor and then not Paul is further evidence that it looks like they're trying to potentially put this on Connor.
0: At the actual crime scene, yeah. The, the Austin Pritcher, who is uh, DNR, said that he offered the Connor the field sobriety test because he was starting to quote zero in on him as the main suspect. Connor refused to take the test, and Pritchard filled the sheet out for refusal. Okay, explain to us about the South Carolina DNR. Like, why they're 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 not investigating murders very often? So their
2: their primary focus is to keep the waterways. And the public lands safe in South Carolina, and so their primary focus is making sure people are complying with hunting regulations by not poaching deer or you know baiting fields so that you know you just go out and, and pop pop a couple of rounds and get your <laughs> deer for the year. Yeah, uh, they make sure that the that the regulations of the state are maintained. These are not
0: generally highly trained crime investigators and sergeants
2: they they are not uh you're not going to see a a, you know csi version of wildlife safety guy and so the people that are drawn to be in that line tend to be those that are you know outdoor oriented or they have no interest in working in a city or patrolling streets they are happy being on a boat and sitting in a field all day and so it's not always your high profile right it, not, none of them are necessarily you know dreaming of going to quantico and being be, becoming part of the nbi yeah.
0: well time. take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around right so you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals you read stories you participate in dialogues so you are ready to go it's the most trusted time-tested app out there they've been the expert in language learning for 30 years buy rosetta stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Then it's interesting that, I mean, I, I don't know where the jurisdiction lies, but he's doing all that, this uh, preacher and he went into Paul's, who was accused of driving, Paul's ex-girlfriend room, uh, and he described her as skittish and told her she uh, she was worried because Alex Murdoch, or Alec, was trying to come into her room. And he said that Alec Murdoch tried to enter her hospital room while she was speaking to DNR. Uh, so he's doing a lot of investigation is, is the DNRs on, on that because it's a boating accident? It's, it's
2: because it's a boating accident. And now these guys are, are all highly trained on right.
0: how
2: to investigate a voting accident and voting under the influence, which, going back to y'all's point, it's really weird they didn't follow the standard protocol of recording witness interviews and having the the alleged driver submit to a field sobriety test.
1: Well, and a lot of the people and, had relationships with the Murdoch family. So I don't know what, how people recuse themselves, if that, I mean, they I think Pritchard, he played in a golf tournament that the family put on, which I don't make much of that. But another one of the investigators from DNR Brock, he had, he had been to their home and his wife had worked for the law firm that the dad was a part of.
0: Well, that, and John and I talked earlier about this. What's interesting to me, and I asked John about it, he found it interesting too, is when they start talking to a few of these people, including Austin Pritchard, He said, I don't know the Murdoch family, basically is what he said. I don't know the Murdoch family. Then uh, when he was asked if he ever hunted with them, he's like, well, you know, I think I've been to the golf tournament once. Another person said something like, which one was it that said, uh, well, it's not like I vacationed with them or anything.
1: That was Brock, but he he had been to their home and his wife used to work. For their law firm.
0: So when you're interviewing somebody, John, and somebody starts saying, well, it's not like we're best buddies, you lick your chops as an as a attorney doing an interview? Uh, absolutely.
2: So if I'm saying to Matt, so Matt, how well do you know See, Morgan Fogarty? Yeah. Well, uh, well, we don't, you know, we don't go on vacations together. Well, okay. So that, that if, I'm, if that's a pie, You just cut a little tiny slice. Now I've got all the rest of the pie to go after you on. So
0: I might say. You're you're, sending, he's sending you a signal that, well, you know, but obviously you know more than you're saying.
2: I mean, it it literally, a, a good litigator is like starts to foam at the mouth and get like giddy about what's going to happen with the next few questions because that's such a non answer.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, one of the Beaufort County Sheriff's officers was represented by Alec at the time of the crash. He was actively representing him in some sort of case.
0: That,
2: that's right. And then he denied r- really any knowledge of them. And, and so going back to kind of the beginning, th- those answers... Point to a real conspiracy and someone who is trying to hide something.
0: Because why would it? I mean, they have to know that they're going to find out. Everybody knows Murdoch's in law enforcement probably in that area. So I I don't understand why they would even attempt to go, like, well, you know, I sort of, yeah.
1: But to be devil's advocate, when this, the night of the accident, who was on call was who was on call. It it didn't matter. I mean, don't you think the police had to respond? It didn't matter if they knew the family or not. So
2: to answer that issue, is why law enforcement has books and books and books of procedures so that even in a small town where everybody knows everyone, maybe everybody goes to the same church, they all eat at the same restaurant on Friday or Saturday night. If you have strong procedures in place, you stay above reproach as a law enforcement officer.
1: Okay, so the main problem is that they didn't follow the procedure.
2: That's right. And so that, so not following the procedure, hiding personal connections, and being under oath and still not coming forward about things all point to a conspiracy and the basis of following that Rule 27 motion.
0: Well, and and Brock talks about, you know, we don't go on vacations together, that's what I was talking about earlier. And then he goes like, well, I think John... Murdoch, who's Paul's uncle, probably has my cell phone number. <laughs> Come on, man. And then I've been to his house, uh, you know, maybe once. This quote is once or twice, three times. And his wife worked at the Murdoch law firm. Uh, he just, he was not at all about the relationship. And I don't understand why, because it's so easy to find out.
2: Uh, that's very much like the, well, how many beers did you have? Well, I had a, I had a couple, which generally means like six to eight.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Jack Keener. As a Buford County Sheriff's Office deputy who had connections to the Murdochs law firm in 2015, the firm helped Keener and his family win a 2.5 million million settlement. And in the deposition, Keener's Jack Keener, the corporal of a uh, Buford County Sheriff's Office, said, "I don't know the Murdochs."
1: Well, he we said just it was 2.5 million. He said it was a family member. We don't know what kind of family member. I mean, that could have been his third cousin twice removed. We don't really know.
2: Yes, but 2.5 million dollars is a number. You, you know,
1: you'd remember if you're. Your oh. <laughs> cousin suddenly showed up in a brand new Corvette. Well, that, that's true.
0: That is he true. He said, I only knew that the family was lawyers and whatnot from Hampton. That's all I know. And I never met them. But why don't you start out with, yeah, I know the Murdochs, of course, they're famous around here. I got I used their law firm and I got $2.5 million. Just say that and you're done.
2: That's right. And and that is very much a less than candid law enforcement officer's response, which is kind of be like, really, in any, in any, any witness in any case that's. It's hostile to the people asking them a question. It's going to be like, well, yeah, I, sure, I know them, but I don't know them. You'd be
0: like, yeah. well, what does that mean? Right. Just just come right out with it right after the question's asked. Be done with it.
1: Well, one thing I was interested in is, like, what do you think the intention of this potential lawsuit is?
0: So I think there's there's the
2: obvious answer, and then there's you know kind of a an interesting thing that I see developing. The, the first is... Connor's wanting to clear his name completely and bring sunlight to the way these guys were hiding evidence. It will create an obvious issue with how the Murdoch handled criminal cases in their area and how law enforcement handle, handles criminal cases in the area. So that so he Connor's trying to shed truth. He will also be able to pursue civil damages against the county. And possibly even the state, these guys were state and county employees that that may have been attempting to frame him for a crime he didn't commit. And the other really nefarious issue is there's a murderer at large. And so the faster all the facts can be gathered and implications drawn, that may assist
0: a sled in finding out who murdered Paul and his mother. Yeah, because that still is, it's still out there. That it's been a month, and questions can lead to other questions, which can lead to answers, which can take you down into a path of possibly finding out a connection there in some way, shape, or form, and also about their ability to investigate crimes. That's right. We wanted to also talk to you real quickly and then we'll wrap it up. Is about the fact that there uh, could be criminal charges to an ob- uh, obstruction of justice. And there were sort of rumors out there. Yeah, I there think was Fit News reported Fit- possibly.
1: Fit News and the Island Packet both reported that um, Alec and possibly other members of the Murdoch family were being indicted by a grand jury for obstruction of justice but the packet reported that a spokesman for the attorney general's office would not confirm or deny
2: oh yeah a grand jury is a secret proceeding okay and so you would not announce to the general public whether a grand jury has been convened at some point you're going to potentially see federal charges and federal law enforcement investigating if it appears there's a widespread you know public corruption case and I, again i think that's part of connor's rule 27 motion is to pull the evidence together to put a nice little bow on a packet to walk over to columbia and say here you go fbi you, you guys might here, here's your public you know, corruption case right
1: if a grand jury is it kind of the same thing where they're just investigating it or they really feel that they have enough evidence that to indict somebody
2: so you've got, you, you've got kind of these threshold standards along the way. You've got you know, probable cause, and that is to believe that it's more likely than not that a crime was committed. Then that evident, evidence gets submitted to a grand jury, which is you know, your peers, who were presented the evidence. And then the grand jury decides, based on what we hear, we believe indictments should be handed down. And so it's it's again, it's a constitutional safeguard to make sure that people aren't just getting arrested for anything. But it is also uh, Matt and I talked about the, the most famous saying is you can indict a ham sandwich if you want to. And how evidence gets put forward. But it, it's a secret way to collect evidence to to let people you know kind of have eyes on before you just go out and accuse them of committing a crime.
1: Who are the people on a grand jury? Is it could I get a notification that I have to serve on a grand jury or is this
2: yeah, yes. So so you just like you get selected for county jury duty or federal jury duty, you get a notice that you've been selected to be on the grand jury pool and you serve for 6 months and usually once or twice a month you go in various law enforcement uh, agencies come in, present their evidence, and then you all as a, as a jury decide whether to issue an indictment or not.
1: Just one more question I had. Can you kind of explain what is obstruction of justice?
2: Uh, obstruction of justice is a unlawful impediment to the gathering of relevant and important evidence to a case. And so in Lenin's terms, if A policeman is trying to find out some facts and you come in and lie to the officer, steal evidence so the officer can't find it or create some other stuff, you know, try to hide things from law enforcement. That would be the basis of an obstruction of justice charge. And so we saw this on a national scale where, if you lie to an FBI agent, uh, you usually get charged with that particular violation and an obstruction of justice charge. So it's, it's any time you are intentionally, criminally trying to prevent law enforcement from being able to do their job properly.
0: That's different than the it's, civil conspiracy petition, which is what's happening now, right? That's,
2: that's, that's, yes, yeah, so that's a criminal charge. obstruction of justice it's is criminal something that the state or the federal government would bring against the person and and in the criminal cases. And a civil a civil conspiracy is again alleging some tortious action some wrongdoing action by one yeah by multiple people in
0: together with each other got it uh, john snyder legal analyst former da and a guy we keep bugging with phone calls I, I appreciate it john we'll talk soon
1: That was awesome thanks guys thank you thank you
0: all right seaton we want to clear something up about the previous episode which was episode six about the july 2015 what was ruled a hit and run of stephen smith 19 who was found dead uh in the middle of the road and there's much controversy over that go back and listen to the episode But you are in contact with Stephen Smith's mother. You have been for over a year now. And she she helped us clear some things up.
1: Oh, yes. So I shared our episode from yesterday with us. And she said, amazing job, which, again, we really appreciate. And she just said that there actually was a rape kit done and a gunshot residue test. So we reported that incorrectly. She said they, they also had fingernail clippings. Is the
0: FBI when you say they, right?
1: Well, she didn't clarify whether it was okay. the FBI, and maybe what the incorrect reporting that we had received from other sources could have been that that was actually done by the pathologist's office, and they were going to do it themselves. So she's saying
0: there was a kit done, because that was the word that they, they hadn't done one. So right, she's and saying they, there was one done.
1: There was one done, and there was a gunshot residue test. And they took fingernail clippings, and she believes that is what is missing, which that would potentially have the DNA.
0: And that comes from Stephen Smith's mother. Keep uh, subscribing, keep sharing, and if you want, feel free to reach out to us. If you have comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, thanks again for making this a, a big success. And we hope to get a lot of answers to some of these questions very, very soon. ohiomysteries.com